Welcome to episode number 74 of the Grab Blogger podcast. This is the podcast where helping academics change the world through online business. Helping you by giving the tools, the tips, the strategies, and the techniques you need to build an online business around your research experience, around your background, around your expertise, around the change that you want to see in the world. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're talking about starting a coaching business as an academic. We're doing that with Dr. Isabeau Iqbal from isabeauiqbal.com. And that's I-S-A-B-E-A-U. IQBAL.com. Isabeau has a master's in adult education, a PhD in education with a focus on higher education, and works to coach ambitious perfectionists in and around this space, as uh, many of us are in, in higher education. So, Dr. Iqbal, I want to welcome you and say thank you for coming on the Grab Blogger podcast today. Thank you, Chris. I'm really happy to be here, and thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk with you. We first met back in the self-employed PhD group. I think we had some really interesting discussions back then, and I was kind of sad that that group disbanded from its current form, and that's kind of why we, we started building up the self-tenure community as a space for, for entrepreneurship and academics. So it's good to think back on those days that we, we had, were having those conversations early in, in your business and my business. Very early for me, yes. So I, I recently came across Dr. Iqbal again on the Coach to Coach podcast with Katie Linder. I think, are you season two with her? I am, yeah. Yeah, and I, I've been listening through that um, season. Uh, that's a really great podcast for those people that are in the coaching space, which we'll be talking about today. What I really was interested in is Isabeau mentioned on the podcast some things around certifications for coaching, but also the business side and how she really had to learn that. And that's what we we're going to talk about in this episode. So I'm going to share some of her background. We're going to talk about choosing what to focus on when building your business, how to go about looking at the business side of coaching, what certification process looks like, and, and how she finds clients today. So Isabeau, maybe a great place to jump in is just, can you share some of your background and how you get started in, in coaching as an online business? Yeah. So I, um, my professional field is educational development, which is around enhancing teaching and learning in higher ed. And I have been in that field for about 18 years. And I would say that in that role, I do a lot of coaching, though I may not have called it coaching. And as I got more and more introduced to coaching as a, a result of being a coachee, so being a client of coaching, I realized the, the overlap with my role as an educational developer. And so I had really positive experiences of being coached. That was definitely one of the big reasons that I got uh, drawn to, to coaching. And I also, I love to learn. And I got to a place in my career as an ed developer where I recognized that I, I didn't want to follow a traditional trajectory of manager and director. And so I, I felt like I needed to take more agency in shaping my own career and my growth in a way that was really personally and, and professionally fulfilling. So because I had been coached a number of times, had a really positive experience, because I'd love to learn, and because I could also see the application within my role as an educational developer, I still work part-time as an educational developer, and I was really interested in starting my own practice as a coach, I uh, decided to start more formally in uh, in my own training as a coach. Yeah, I love that. And so what did that look like? So you decide to, you know, you're doing what is now, you know, is, is coaching, but more impromptu, more, 
um, just as part of your your everyday existence and and being in the world. Thought you had some skills there. You decided to go more into that. Can you walk us down the, the tracks a bit? What do some of the first steps look like? So as I start to think about training as a coach, there are so many different options uh, that are, are available. And I had encountered a tool uh, called the Clifton Strengths Assessment. Back then, it was it used to be called Strengths Finder, and um, I had found it really uh, powerful. And so I was thinking, okay, well, my options are many. How do I think about starting in training? And I, I didn't want to fall into my own trap of what I call the, the good student, meaning doing extensive training and, and delaying on the business side, because I knew from my own experiences. So back in my 20s, I had done a, a business with my partner and had found it extremely challenging, like the business side. So I, you know, my background is academic, but my parents were academics. I have really no business sort of background, uh, except for that really short experience with when I was in my mid-20s. So I wanted to do a short certification that didn't give me an excuse, I put that in air quotes, to delay starting to address the business side of things because I knew that that was the part I was most uh, apprehensive about. So I did the Gallup uh, training, which is only a four and a half day coach training with some minor requirements around uh, coaching people in order to become certified. And that I felt was a really focused tool, a way that I would jump into the business aspect quickly, plus have some background in a in a specific tool. I really like that. And that was actually, I was talking to um, Isabeau before we got on the call. When I was listening to coach, to coach, I heard her talk about that, where she decided to do a short certification, then focus on the business side and, and selling a service, because that's I mean, they're both hard work, but that's hard work that's less common and less internalized by an academic already. And you did end up going back and doing the, the long certifications as well. What kind of things did you learn during that process then? So you did, what was the short certification? That was the Clifton Strength? Yeah, so the short one was the Clifton Strengths Assessment to become a Gallup Certified Coach. And then I ran my business, I think it was for about a year, just over a year before I started to, uh, before I made a decision to do the, the longer certification. Okay. And can you walk us a bit through that year? What kind of things did you learn on the, the business side? Yes. So I learned a number of things. So one, I learned that evaluating and adjusting on an ongoing basis was really, really important. So, I mean, time is such a precious asset. And, you know, at the beginning of uh, starting my business, my motivation, my energy were really high. And I would say they're still very high, but my willingness to engage in activities that don't generate revenue has diminished over, over time. So I've become you know, more selective and discerning about where I put my energy. Um, and partly that's because I've gone through some phases of real intense fatigue and my personal values are around family and, and well-being. And so evaluating and adjusting on an ongoing basis and seeing how that matches my values, that's, that's one piece that I, that I learned. I have, a, I have a short list here that I, that I want to share. So uh, the other one was around identifying 
what brings me energy, but also being cautious to not hide behind what's uncomfortable. And so what I mean about that is that when you're starting a business, there are so many messages about what it takes to make it in business. You know, there's messages around being on social media, what it means to, you know, contribute to your community and, you know, having a newsletter, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's, it is, it is, can be overwhelming. And I had to think, okay, what do I really, what's really important to me here? You know, what does bring me energy? And for me, it's helping others and, and connecting with others. And obviously there's so many ways to do that. And I noticed that what was more comfortable for me was doing quiet, introverted things, you know, such as writing on my blog or, you know, posting on social media. And uh, so one of the big lessons I've learned is to become more willing to be uncomfortable and uh, be out there uh, some, some more. So that's, that's another uh, lesson I learned. A third one is around you can't assume that people know how you can help them. So you may have noticed, Chris, I'm sure anyone who's ever looked for a coach will probably have noticed that there's lots of coach jargon. <laughs> and um, though I've had many experiences working with coaches, and of course I am a coach now, I don't think necessarily people know what coaches do if you haven't worked with a coach before. So really helping people understand what you do, regardless of what, what business you're, you're in. So those are kind of three big lessons that I, that I learned during um, the first year of business. Yeah, I love that. So I got checking in with yourself often, checking against things like your personal values. And Dr. Linder is, is a, a very good resource there. Somebody's trying to dig in and figure out their personal values. And then obviously working with you know folks like yourself is really helpful for that as well. Looking into what brings you energy. And this is like a two-sided coin, right? So you, you, you do want to... I'd say you want to spend most of your day doing activities that are going to bring you energy. <laughs> I mean, that's just a, I, you're, you're kind of leaving your life on the table if you're not doing that um, by doing something that doesn't bring you energy. But there's a big kind of caveat that you, you need to also consider why you're steering away from other things and be willing to do that hard work that maybe doesn't come as naturally, especially if it's the, the pivotal point of moving your business forward, like a coaching business, actually selling your services are a crucial aspect to, to generating revenue as a coach, I'm sure. And the last one is just don't assume that your your clients or your customers, the people you're working with, know what you do. And if it takes you, you know, more than three cents to describe what you do, then they then they probably don't quite quite get it. You might need to work on that a little bit. Um, I really like those as as ways that people can be thinking about this business side. So you picked those three things up. You ran your business for about a year. Were there any other kind of big takeaways from that process and maybe what led you to, you know, the process of saying, well, maybe I'll go back and do this sort of longer certification? Um, or was that even always part of the plan? It was, it was in the background for sure. And doing the longer certification had always been in the background as a possibility. I... I think what really then made me decide was the fact that after a year-ish in business, I realized that, or I recognized that I 
felt committed still that I was willing to do the hard work and stay the course with the with the business. So I'd been in it, I felt long enough to determine that I want I wanted to keep going with it. So at that point it became all right, do I invest in the, you know, the time, the resources to do the longer certification. And the longer certification was with the International Coaching Federation, which is uh, a well-established, you know, organization entity in, in the coaching world. And I don't necessarily think that it, it's, it, it's a must, obviously, for, uh, for all coaches. But in the world where we operate in higher education, I mean, Legitimacy, credibility, certifications do count. And I felt that getting uh, certified with the International Coaching Federation with the ICF would be a good long-term decision given the, you know, the context of, of where I work. So, yes, yeah, I, I reached out to, to some coaches, Katie Linder uh, being one of them, to ask you know, about their own experiences of where they had done done the training, and I decided to to embark in the in in that one year uh, training at that point. Yeah, I really like that. What what is involved in a training like that with the International Coach Federation for for a year? What do you do there? So it involves doing some coursework. It involves being. Um, getting evaluated by what's called a master coach as somebody at a, a really high level in the coaching uh, world with, with ICF. They uh, listen to your recordings and provide you feedback and you have that sort of that conversation there. So I think there were uh, four such opportunities to, to do that. Plus it involves a hundred hours of, uh, of coaching of which some of that has to be paid coaching. So it was a lot more uh, rigorous than, than the previous certification that I had done. And of course I knew that going in and that's as someone who loves to learn, that was also very appealing to me. Yeah. Well, and that's the, the, I wrote down good student. That's what you called that. That's the, uh, the, um, the other words you used were ambitious perfectionist. So that's the mix of the good student and the ambitious perfectionist. Exactly. That you love to dig into. That. And I, I do the same thing. You just need to be cautious. What I really was inspired when I, when I went through your story was this fact that you said, okay, I know I'm going to want to do this part. And I know it might hold me back from my, my global goal if I kind of zoom out. So I'm going to take a break and do the, the hard stuff that maybe I don't want to do first. I, I thought that was really an important thing to share out to the broader community. I want to congratulate you on doing that because I, I imagine your business is in a better spot today than it would be if you just had certification, but not the kind of, I don't know, business experience. Yeah, thank you. Yes, I really, you know, it was so, to me, it was, that was the part, as I said, that I was apprehensive about, that I was less confident in, and that I felt that I, I really needed to boost my own skills in and practice and like the coaching because I had been doing it informally uh, for so many years through facilitation, through consultations in my role as an educational developer. That part I, I felt really, yeah, I felt, I felt confident and comfortable in, but as, uh, you know, as we've said, the business part was just a big question mark. So on the business side, then we talked about some of the things you learned and kind of pulled out of that 
first year and and even subsequently now that you're now that uh, you're you're running your businesses, maybe you could share with the the listeners because there will be a, a number that are interested in coaching as a business and you know interested in different forms of that. But how do you go about finding clients and marketing your services? Just what if, I don't want to bound it too tightly, so I don't want to say what strategy do you use, but you know how, what have you what have you tried and what's worked and you know what's kind of the landscape there. Well, one thing that worked is as part of the the coach training is that I did need to do a lot of practice. So some of the practice clients did become paying clients. So that's that's one um, way. Then word of mouth definitely is is another way that I get clients. I also volunteer for an organization here in Vancouver. And they have referred me. So it's a leadership development organization for nonprofits. And I do some facil- some volunteer facilitation for them. And as they've gotten to know me, they uh, know that I have this kind of niche area around the Clifton Strengths Assessment. And they have referred me to people who are looking for that specifically because they don't offer that particular workshop. So that's been another, another way that I've um, gotten clients. I don't. I don't know that I've gotten any clients directly from LinkedIn where I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn, but I do know that people who who's, have had my name referred to them have gone to LinkedIn, have looked at what I do, and then have contacted contacted me. So I would say those are the main ways. I do have a newsletter. I do post on on my blog, but I can't say that you know someone has directly reached out to me because of something that I've that I've posted. Yeah, I think that comes with you know volume and time as well, right? Doing things like the Coach to Coach podcast, doing things like this podcast, creating content, posting on LinkedIn, they will eventually lead to drivers of traffic. But even like you're saying, there's a second point there that is, even if you get a word or mouth referral they're likely looking you up and seeing that you you have a that you're a real business or that you're a real coach seeing your certifications there and then when i land on your website i mean it's um it's really good and i like that you really emphasize the type of person you're looking at this this ambitious perfectionist um i like that you have your you know you, you took the time to build up those certifications so you have those included um, that's really a like you said for an academic audience they may care more about those certifications, especially if you're doing it through maybe university groups and things like that. So I, I, I think the online. Well, I'm a bit biased <laughs> on online websites, I guess, because that's what I what I do. Um, but I think that's a going to help you establish your authority, and b I do think it will lead to traffic over time as you continue to to work in that area. Yeah, and I think you know with every. I mean, there are hundreds of certified coaches with ICF, with Gallup, with, you know, with other organizations. And I mean, ultimately, people do get a sense, right? If they follow your work, whether it's on a podcast, through LinkedIn, through your blog, they really get a sense of who you are as, as a person. And I think, you know, really, ultimately, that's what connects us to one another. You know, does this feel like person that I want to work with. Well, that's so important in your industry specifically, right? Because people need to, it's like, like, no, and trust on, on yeah. steroids because <laughs> yes. they're going to open up. Um, they, they really need to, you know, be confident that you're, you're going to be there to support them. You're going to be there and you're going to be open and helping. And so I, yeah, I think establishing all that is, is really important. 
And comfort with that comes with time, right? It, uh, at first I felt, yeah, I, I feel much more comfortable just being myself and, and with my voice now than I did in the past. Well, I still hate the sound of my voice, but between my two podcasts, I'm up over a hundred and uh, almost 150 episodes now. <laughs> yeah. And by voice, I meant like the stories I tell and what I share and the tone and, and as well as the, the actual voice. Uh, yeah. As well as the audible signal, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so in your, in your kind of coaching package, you do make a pretty big distinction between coaching for individuals and then team building and, and group workshops as being uh, two year offers. Um, how did, how did that kind of come about from your, from your work? So the coaching with individuals seemed like the, you know, the very obvious starting point, because that is a lot of what the training uh, involves when you get trained as a coach is you're doing one-on-one sessions. And that's what I got evaluated on. And that seems to be like the natural, you know, the natural flow for, for coaching. A lot of coaches also offer either group coaching or some do workshops. So I don't do group coaching at this time, but I have so much experience with facilitation um, through my work as an educational developer. And the the Gallup uh, tool, the, the Gallup resources really lend themselves well to helping teams build their strengths. So I was pre-COVID doing those workshops only in person and now uh, have started to do online facilitation. So I think it was because I was already comfortable with workshop facilitation. The Gallup was a good fit for that, that I decided to start to to offer the workshops. No, that makes sense. And it's nice to have a, a portfolio of options for people. If one doesn't work, then maybe they're interested in something else. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because the organizations, they may not want to invest in one-on-one coaching for their, for their different leaders, but they may be, you know, very willing to do a workshop with a little bit of follow-up. Oh, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, maybe moving towards closing with the interview, what advice would you have for somebody that's in academia today? They are when they when they hear you talk about your your early days, they're really resonating with your story. They're thinking, "Well, I actually do do coaching. I actually do help people in prompt too." And I think my the person that comes to mind here is, is Dr. Caitlin Foss. I don't know if it's on the podcast or maybe in private conversations we had, but uh, one or the other, she said to me at one point, like, at some point, I just realized that I was coaching all the like my natural state of being was just that I was helping people through coaching. And I realized that, Hey, I should, I should <laughs> yes. just do this. Um, so if somebody's in that space and they're listening to this, yeah. um, but they don't know what to do on the, the business side or the certification side, do you have any sort of advice for someone's looking to get started in this area? Yeah, I, I have a few thoughts on that. So one I would say is to get really clear on what your own needs are. If you're, if you're thinking about going down this path. So for example, for me, I mentioned earlier around my needs for ongoing learning, for career growth, for uh, fulfilling that desire, you know, around ambition and, and um, yeah, moving my career forward in ways that really felt exciting. Other people may have also, I mean, income is, of, of course, a need to, to consider, you know, variety, autonomy. So really getting clear on what it is that your needs are. 
around when you're thinking about the possibility of, of developing a coaching business. Another one would be to find people whose work you admire and follow them as, um, as you know, use that as, as inspiration. So we, you and me had met on the self-employed PhD. That was a fabulous way to uh, see what others who were further along in business, you know, people like yourself and, and others um, and learning from them. Uh, we've mentioned Dr. Katie Linder a few times. I follow her work very closely. Dr. Caitlin Foss also, and a number of others who were not in the coaching world, but whom I felt I could learn, learn from by really observing what they were doing. Other advice is around being uh, judicious about what training and certification you need, because I think that as people who spend our, uh, much of our lives in higher education, we do tend to have a mindset of, around certifications and, and education where perhaps um, we think more is better. So, you know, I say I would say, like, challenge yourself challenge your thoughts on that. It, it may be that you do want certification, but perhaps don't go there right away as like the you know de facto way to do it. We already talked about making regular course corrections, you know, as, as needed. You may be heading down a certain path, but really take time to reflect on, on what it is you're, you're doing and, and tweak as, as needed. And then the other piece yeah, find a find a supportive community. I think this is so important, and and um, because it's not a comfortable. I I don't well for myself starting a business and pursuing a business is not um, always a, a comfortable thing. Lots of times I just don't know necessarily what path to take, what I'm doing. I'm constantly in a novice position, and again. Um, with uh, my higher ed background, being a novice isn't necessarily <laughs> my favorite place to be. So when I have a supportive community, it's, uh, it's so helpful in, in many, many ways. So that would be another piece of advice that I would, uh, that I would end with. Yeah, I think that's a, a great set of advice. And as I, I mentioned, the time this episode will be coming out in early September, we'll just have shut the doors on the first round of the self-tenure community at selftenure.com. And that was really along the lines. Uh, you, you guys would have, would have heard it on the podcast. We had, you know, Dr. Caitlin Foss and, and, and Dr. Linder and others on from the self-employed PhD timeframe. And the conversations kept kind of reminiscing on how nice it was to have somebody to talk to about building a business as an academic. And eventually I kind of got fed up and said, okay, I'm, I'm creating the community that's going to do this then. Um, and also looking at what's what challenges there had been in previous communities and then how can we address that to really get results for the the members. So I didn't place that uh, for, for Isabeau to, to mention at the end so I could do a, a shout out or anything, but <laughs> just that my mind's on it because I'm designing it out right now, resigning the inside of the, the community. We have our, our first members in there, um, our founding members, and and they're interacting. And it's it's just a void. So whether or not it's the self-tenure community or some other community, find one that you can fit in and that you can actually grow as a person and grow your business in as well. Cause it's, it's, it's how I got to where I am. And it sounds like it's uh, been really helpful for, for Isabo as well. Yeah, it has. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, this has been a really, really great conversation learning about 
this whole process of starting a coaching business as an academic, what kind of things to, that might come up along the way and talking through um, Isabeau's journey here. So I, I do want to say, uh, Dr. Iqbal, thank you for coming on the podcast. And I do look forward to the chance to, to get together and um, talk more about online business soon. Thank you, Chris. And I do want to take this chance to thank you for your ongoing generosity over the years. You have been um, very helpful in, time, in times where I've reached out. And um, thanks for having me on the podcast today. Oh, thank you too much. You're too, you're too kind. And I, I look forward to talking again soon. You bet. So you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney and Dr. Isabeau Iqbal. And we were talking about starting a coaching business as an academic. We talked through some of Isabeau's background in educational development, how she really realized that she was a coach before, you know, before she really knew what it was, but that was just something that she did in her, her kind of day-to-day existence and her job roles. And then we talked about what does that mean if you wanted to try to turn that into a business. I really liked the way that she did it where she did do a certification, but on purpose did one that was shorter so that she could get to some of the hard work of building the the business structures out to doing some marketing and getting some clients before going back and doing her longer term certifications. So she had a couple notes on things that she pulled out of that year, building her business, checking in and course correcting often with yourself, you know, see if you're still aligned with your values, see if you're I'm still happy with where you are. And I, I put a star here beside that that I mentioned to mention celebrate every once in a while. You know, when you're doing that check-in, yeah, this is, you know, I've, I've grown a lot this month or this week or this day or whatever it is. Um, I think that's really important. She mentioned thinking about what brings you energy. And this is a really important thing to, to double down on. But then there's sort of a, a flip side of the coin. You also need to think about things that take your energy away. And why do they take your energy away? And, you know, which one of those might actually be critical to move the needle and come up with some strategies for actually tackling that. And then we also talked about not assuming that somebody knows what you do. And we probably all know this from our academic backgrounds. I say this, well, 98% of all stats are made up on the, the spot. So I'll say 92% of all PhDs um, can't be explained to their parents or any of their friends, <laughs> which is part of the problem in the first place. But that's for a different podcast episode. We talked about certification process and we talked about marketing her business. Uh, I really like some of these certification programs like the International Coaching Federation, which is a, a very well-known one, have this sort of practice component and that those practice clients in a lot of cases turn into real clients. So Isabel mentioned that that's one way that she she gained some of her early customers through that process. Word of mouth and referrals and traffic sources that are online, social sharing in that, both for direct, call it inbound marketing, but also have that space where somebody, when they have a referral, go look you up and say, oh, well, this person has credentials. They are serious about this. This is somebody I like, know, and trust, and I want to work with. And then we gave some tips on getting started, you know, around online business. So understanding your needs, find people who do it that you admire. And I, I call these your, your virtual mentors. So make a list of the five people you kind of want to be like and learn about them. Listen to their podcasts, listen to the content they put out. And those can kind of be your guiding sources when you have tough questions. It's like, oh, well, would Pat do this or, you know, would James do this or would um, Molly do this or whoever it is. And you can kind of get that little, uh, called a virtual mastermind in your head of, of people you can go to and, and ask these tough questions um, and get the answers. She mentioned about being judicious about training. I mean, this was still a concept of the, the podcast episode. You don't want to dive into the really, we're all high achievers and we're ambitious perfectionists to use Isabeau's um, words. But you'd need to be careful not to take that too far that you're not doing some of the other work that you got to do. 
And then on the community part, we talked about what we're doing here with Grabblogger and the self-tenure community at selftenure.com and how that really is a space for academics to get into entrepreneurship, to grow and scale their businesses. There's things like uh, community forums there where people can interact, get their questions answered, um, private coaching with me. There's business trainings monthly and uh, optional mastermind communities as well and, and smaller three to four person masterminds. So you can have that accountability, have that support as you grow your business. So as always, we will put the transcripts of this episode into a nice PDF document. You can download that at grabblogger.com slash 74. If you want to connect with Isabo, you can go to her website, which is Isabo Akbal, I-S-A-B-E-A-U-I-Q-B-A-L.com. It's probably easiest just to go to grabblogger.com slash 74, and we'll have the link for it there. We'll also have ways for you to connect with her on LinkedIn and Twitter and the other groups that she's part of there as well. So have a great week ahead, and I'm looking forward to continuing to bring you great interviews with people helping you with strategies to, to build your business online as an academic. 